is perfectly fine um, if some of this you're like, oh, I don't remember. Um, I particularly like teaching on Moses because I find Moses is one of the most misremembered um, stories that we work with in the church. Uh, so I have a little game that I'll play with you guys real quick. Uh, when I do this with college students, I make them stand up and move to either side of the room, but we don't have to do that today. Um, <clears throat> so the game is called Bible or Movies, okay? All right, so I'm going to say a statement, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say, do you think it's the Bible, and you can raise your hand, and I'm going to say, do you think it's a movie, you can raise your hand, okay? <clears throat> All right. So, uh, Pharaoh's name in the Moses story is Ramses. Bible? Raise your hand. Oh, movies. It's the movies. It's the movies. Pharaoh is actually not named at all um, in the Moses story. Um, and some scholars think that the reason that Pharaoh is not named is because uh, in ancient Egypt, Pharaohs were very very interested in their name living on forever. That's why we have all the inscriptions and they circle their names and everything. Um, so whoever's writing Exodus is thrown a little shade. Because um, they're like, what was the name of that pharaoh? We don't remember. Not important. You know, so doesn't get a name. All right. Um, after she put him in a basket, Moses' mom never saw him again. Bible? Movies. Movies. She did see him again. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. <clears throat> um, Moses has a major emotional crisis when he finds out he is Hebrew. Bible? Movies. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Prince of Egypt and Ten Commandments get stuck up here. All right. Um, Moses and Pharaoh's son grew up together as close friends and sometimes rivals. Bible? Movies. So Moses and Pharaoh's son grew up together, and they were friends and sometimes rivals. So is that the Bible? Movies. Movies. Yeah. It's not in the text at all <clears throat> that, they, that they ever saw each other. Okay. So... Um, at the very beginning of Exodus, we have Pharaoh has a problem because there is a population explosion of Hebrews. Um, the word that's actually used there is there is a swarm of Hebrews. Um, it's the same word that's used later when they talk about frogs uh, that come and infest the land. So there's lots of them. Um, and Pharaoh has a problem. So Pharaoh says, uh, let's deal shrewdly with them. Another way to say it is, I suggest we outsmart them. So the beginning of, Hebrew, of uh, Exodus is about Pharaoh trying to be clever. So he comes up with a plan. First plan, work them to death. Um, <clears throat> so he enslaves them. He gives them all of this hard labor. doesn't work. Um, the text says it just makes them stronger. So who's clever? Not Pharaoh. All right. <clears throat> Second part of the plan is the midwives, all right? So Pharaoh calls in two midwives, and he commands them. Um, when you are assisting the Hebrew women in labor, if you see that the uh, baby is a boy, kill it immediately, all right? Um, the midwives get names, which is funny, because they don't name Pharaoh. Midwives get names, all right? <clears throat> so uh, they're ordered to kill the male babies. The text says they fear God, so they respect God. They have good... Uh, Hebrew names, so they are probably of the Hebrew people. Um, this is the first time God is mentioned in the book of Exodus, is the, uh, <coughs> the midwives here. Um, and so they fear God, so they refuse to comply. 
And Pharaoh, uh, in fact, they do the opposite. It says they um, work extra hard to make sure the, ba the male babies survive. <clears throat> so Pharaoh calls him back in and says, what's going on? I told you to kill all the boy babies. And they give him a cheeky answer. Um, they say, wouldn't you know it, the Hebrew women are just so strong, by the time we get there, baby's already born. They're just, they don't even need us, you know? Um, <clears throat> so babies just pop out, can't do anything about it, because they're so strong, unlike you weak Egyptians. Um, is, again, shade all over the place here, all right? <clears throat> so, um, and God's response to their cheeky answer, to their kind of, sort of, maybe lying to Pharaoh, blesses them. Um, it says he establishes their households, right? Uh, so this is one of the things that we see in the Old Testament especially is a celebration of shrewdness or cleverness um, that uh, is in different characters. All right, so who's clever in this one? Not Pharaoh, right? <laughs> Midwives trick him. All right, <clears throat> so third plan. Uh, throw all male babies in the Nile. And this is a command um, of the Hebrews. Uh, this is a command to all of Egypt. So all the Pharaoh's people are now included in this order that all uh, male babies from the Hebrews should be thrown in the Nile. So let's pause there for a second. This is a tragic story. This is a story of genocide. Um, this is a story that should make us sad. Um, and I think it is okay and appropriate and maybe even a good idea uh, to read the Bible with our emotions. Um, and with our own lens. You as mothers, can, I, I don't even want to begin to think about the idea of someone taking my newborn son from me in order to kill them. You know, like that's a horrific idea. I'm getting goosebumps just mentioning it. All right. Um, so, enter uh, Jochebed, or Jochebed, this is Moses' mom. She does get a name, but it's later in Exodus. Um, <clears throat> and tip from a professional Bible teacher on how you pronounce these names quickly and with confidence and everybody, <laughs> everybody questions you. Right. So um, Moses' mom has a little boy and the first thing it says is she saw that he was beautiful. What the Hebrew says there is she saw that he was good. There is a deliberate echo here of the creation when God looked at creation and saw that it was good. Um, it's important to remember when we're reading these texts, these are not like um, written down. This is not like Moses' journal. Like today, I wrote a camel. Like these are these are stories that are told orally for generations, and then they're written down and compiled and edited. So everything is on purpose. Um, there isn't like a accidental. Oh, that kind of sounds like creation. I wonder if they did that. Yes, they did that on purpose. <coughs> um, so yeah. Uh, and then she hid him. Uh, the word for hid him there. She hid him as if he were a treasure. So she tries to conceal him. And can you imagine hiding a newborn? And she, she makes it till he's three months old. Um, I know about y'all, but my kids got pretty loud. Um, <laughs> even before three months old, especially my son who had colic. So bless if Moses had colic and has, she had to try to hide that. All right. And then she made a plan. Um, and I think this is possibly a, a key to this story is it's not that Moses' mom panicked and threw him in a basket and was like, good luck. Um, this is an intentional plan um, that she's making. So she keeps him until he's three months old um, and she weaves a basket. Um, 
the, uh, the word in English translations is basket, because that makes sense. Um, the actual Hebrew is the same word that's used for Noah's Ark. Um, it's only used twice in the Old Testament for this basket um, and for Noah's Ark. So it is a vessel that saves people through water, um, is, uh, is Tabah. <clears throat> and then she places him in the Nile. This is part of the cleverness. She is ordered to throw him in the Nile. She does. She puts him right in the Nile um, <laughs> in a nice waterproof container, right? <clears throat> and she's not, and uh, uh, Prince of Egypt, everybody rewind, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's swooshing, and there's crocodile. No. <laughs> um, she, she, she places him in the reeds. It's at the very edge um, of the Nile. So she's following the law. He's in the Nile, just like a foot in, okay? Um, and strategically, uh, there are places we know archaeologically that uh, people would come to ritually bathe in the Nile, and she just happens to place him there. So again, this is a plan um, that she is, is working through. Did she know it was going to be Pharaoh's daughter who picked him up? Maybe not. Maybe so. Um, <clears throat> and then she places uh, his sister, possibly Miriam, who's named later in Exodus, uh, is, is sitting there waiting to see who's going to pick this baby up. Again, not throw him down the Nile. Good luck with that kid. Um, <clears throat> so sister is ready and waiting. Um, one of the sources I was reading said there must have been a lot of um, planning involved in this, like maybe multiple watchers. Did she have to like sneak down and feed him? Um, every, he's only three months old. He's going to get hungry every couple hours. Like we don't know how long they were waiting here. So um, <coughs> zooming out, uh, Moses' mom is rolling the dice here. She does not have a guarantee about what's going to happen. Because unlike in other places in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, excuse me, um, she doesn't have a dream that tells her, your son is chosen and will be saved. She doesn't have a vision. She doesn't have any of these, uh, in the text, she doesn't have any of these supernatural help. She just loves her baby and is doing everything she can to help him survive. Um, she has to roll the dice, but she is weighting those dice the best that she knows how. Um, <coughs> clever woman. All right. So, enter Pharaoh's daughter. She sees the, the basket in the reeds, commands someone to get it. Um, and it says that she saw the, she opens the basket and saw the little boy and had compassion because he was crying. Um, and so, she knows the, the edict um, that has happened. Uh, and she knows he's Hebrew. She says, this must be one of the Hebrew children. How does she know he's Hebrew? Circumcised. Probably circumcised. Ten Commandments, there's a special blanket that's like, oh, this is a pattern that only the Hebrews know. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, he, was, he was probably circumcised. And babies are naked in the ancient world, especially in hot, dry climates like Egypt. They don't have diapers. Um, they just they clean them up as they make a mess. Um, thank God for diapers. Anyway, so <laughs> the sister is there waiting to see who, uh, who picks him up, and she pops up, and she goes, oh, look, there's a baby there. Um, you know he's Hebrew. How about I bring a Hebrew woman to you who can feed him? Because there is no formula in the ancient world. The only way babies eat is breastfeeding. <clears throat> 
Um, so she's like, I happen to know someone uh, who can help you out. And so she goes and gets Jacobet. She goes and gets his mom. Um, and Pharaoh's daughter gives the baby to her. Um, one way you can translate as that is she gives him back. Uh, so does she know that this is her kid? Maybe. Um, <clears throat> but she, she gives him to her to, uh, to feed. And it says, and he grows up, right? Um, he was probably at least three uh, before he was fully weaned. Um, he may have stayed with her longer. Uh, the, the phrase, and he grew up, is the same one that they use for Jacob and Esau. And they say, and, and they grew up, and Esau became a hunter. So there's, it's an ambiguity about how old he was. He may have been 12. Um, so he may have been able to stay with his mother. Um, and possibly it was her who taught him about uh, what it means to be a Hebrew, um, why we are different, we are God's chosen people. <coughs> so, <coughs> zooming out, Jacobed will be paid, um, because the Pharaoh's daughter says, I'll pay you to take care of this child. From the Pharaoh's treasury to feed and raise her own son that Pharaoh sought to kill. So. Who's clever? <laughs> Not Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so the very next story in, in this, Moses is, a, is an adult, um, and he kills an Egyptian who is uh, beating up on a Hebrew. So he knew by that point that he was Hebrew. Um, there is reason to believe that he may have always known. Again, circumcision would have set him apart from his Egyptian peers. Um, there was a reason <laughs> that he may have known. Um, all right, so Moses, the savior of Israel, was saved by clever, disobedient women. Um, they're, the midwives are being disobedient. They're uh, circumventing Pharaoh's orders. Moses' mom is, and his, his daughter is on, a, the, her, on the face of it being disobedient. Um, the others had to kind of come at it a little slant. Um, and be kind of sneaky about their disobedience, but she's like, I have the privilege <laughs> of just disobeying. Um, so, yeah, Moses is saved by clever women. All right. <clears throat> so, how has your, has your perception of the story changed? Of this part of the story? Yeah, this is the part where you talk. <laughs> I didn't realize how planned, mm -hmm. how Jacobed planned everything kind of step by step because again Prince of Egypt which has obviously informed my right. perception of this story All of it's it. just like you throw it in and mm -hmm. I mean how I understood it which is still true that God kind of guided everything which he did Yes, but she still played a part mm -hmm. a massive part in planning mm -hmm. yeah um, and in Exodus where we have God directly showing up and like giving them blueprints for the tabernacle she didn't really get any blueprints <laughs> for this um so yeah, it's uh, the, the planning and just, there is desperation involved there. Absolutely there is desperation. Nobody puts their baby in a basket yeah. for fun. Um, <clears throat> but she was, she was trying to save him and, and worked as hard as she could. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. So when you said she, uh, Pharaoh's daughter gave Moses back to the mother, maybe mm -hmm. knowing her, would the mother have brought Moses home or was the mother then employed at the palace? She probably brought him home. Okay. She so probably Pharaoh's daughter wouldn't have seen Moses for years. Probably. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, she, for whatever reason, decided I am going to sponsor this kid. Um, I am going to uh, extend my protection to him. And at the end of the story, it's Pharaoh's daughter who names him um, and says, we'll call him Moses because I drew him out of the water. <coughs> Which is a pun on the Hebrew. Did she speak Hebrew? Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> any other questions? These are good questions. Yeah. Like, so what happened to all the other boys? Like, yeah. you know, Moses is growing up and people are like, yeah, absolutely. It may have been not an ongoing commandment to throw, to continue to throw all ba- male babies in the water. Um, it was like a, for that time, kind of like um, the Herod's uh, killing of the children under three in the New Testament. Um, it was for that time. And then looking at later in Exodus when they do the roles of like how many of them there are when Moses is an adult, probably that practice did not seem to continue. So it's kind of like Pharaoh had a fit. Yes. A tyrannical <laughs> super evil fit. Yeah. Uh, Pharaoh is the worst uh, villain of the Bible so far. Um, when we like in all of Genesis and this is the first part of Exodus. So he's he's the first one that is acting with the most like malicious intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to imagine <clears throat> that Dr. Ben was like, listen, this isn't my first rodeo with children, yeah. <laughs> and you're pitching a big old fit, so I'm just going to nurse my child mm-hmm. for a couple months, kind of hide him away, mm-hmm. and then I'm just going to get him back in a minute. Like, <laughs> you're going to calm down, I've seen it play out before, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it'll be fine, you know, <laughs> and he, I just like to imagine her, you know, obviously we have no idea Sure. How she would feel, but I like to think of her that way. Like, I like that too. That sweet Pharaoh. <laughs> bless his bless heart. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> Just need a cookie, don't you? Yes. Yeah, maybe take a nap. Take a nap. Eat a snack. I like that. I wish that was in the bed. I know. <laughs> eat a snack. <clears throat> Um, so, we've been talking about her Moses' mother being shrewd. So, let's talk together. We can get into groups again. Um, what attributes do you think, or characteristics that you think that are essential for mothers, and here's the caveat, that you do well? Um, we always talk about the things I could work on. I could be more patient. I could be more, you know, with the shoes, getting the shoes on in the morning. Anybody else a perennial struggle? Give me hope that that gets better after age six. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we talk a lot about what we could do better and how we can improve, and that's good. That is good for us to be self-aware in that. But I also think we are entirely too hard on ourselves. So um, let's talk together about what we do well. Um, let's talk about what characteristics you think is important for moms to have and ones that you do well. All right? <clears throat> 
I can say it because I said you think oh, you're going to be bragging on yourself. Go ahead. I told her to get up there and hear from everyone. <laughs> so something I shared was kind of stretching this a little bit is something I think we're doing kind of well in our family is looking at rules and saying, like, does that fit our family, right? Like, so kind of, you know, I'm going to throw it in the Nile or, you know, mm-hmm. these women were... I talked to a little bit about, this is an elevating of women's story in the Bible. Like in the grand scheme of the Bible there, this is a story that's elevating women in that society and elevating child rearing and babies and all of those things. But kind of in our family, not rules as in like following laws, but rules as in what you should do. Like, well, is our family going to do that, right? Is that the best for ours? There's some like some sports things thrown out. Are we going to practice for two and a half hours a day? No. You know, like, that's not what's best for our family. Um, and so kind of always having that mindset of, well, we're going to look at our family. Or mm-hmm. everyone has a phone. Well, that's fine, but we're going to look at what our family needs and, mm-hmm. and, and what our rules or what we're going to follow. Yeah. So I feel like we're doing that okay right now. I like that. What else you got? If you're a good mom, it's okay to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We're meant to be in, um, you know, in villages. Um, so that would, because the ancient world would have never worked if it was one mom in charge of all of these kids and all of their needs all the time. Who would grow the food? Come on. Um, yeah, just humans would not exist um, if it was you are only in charge of your own children. Yeah. Anybody else? Want to share what you're good at? Essential characteristic of momness. I'm 
we spoke a lot about um, advocating mm. and like um, becoming more comfortable with our own voices mm. and speaking up for our children and doing what is uncomfortable, but But we don't mind that it's uncomfortable because it's for our kids. Yeah. If it was for ourselves, we would be a little more uncomfortable. But we've mm-hmm. decided to overcome that mm-hmm. as mothers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all hear what she said? Um, being able to advocate for your kids—it's uh, really, yeah, that's a great one. Anybody else? We taught our great kind of. We all pay tax. Yeah. I started to say I'm. I feel like I can somehow let things go in a sense that I'm doing the best I can, God's got the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, L, L, yeah, said too, like we are talking about like reminding ourselves too that like whatever we are doing is out of love for our child at that moment. You know, like, and we can look back probably with our own parents and think certain things weren't the best decision for us, but also having that grace to remember that they were doing what they thought was best and that that's all we're doing each day too. So just reminding myself, me specifically, like that I'm doing the best I can. He gave them to me for a reason. I don't always know what that reason is, but that, you know, he did, and whatever I'm not doing that they need, he's got the rest. Also, on your living faith and action kind of comment, yeah. I don't know if that was really saying something that would do well, but yeah. we all had it. It was a great conversation. Good. What else? All right. Well, thank you all for being willing to um, to talk amongst yourselves and actually have good discussions. I appreciate that. Um, and to listen to me speak very quickly. I was trying to get through it all um, to make sure we had time to talk. But yeah, thank you so much for today. And I think our time's up. Do you have anything else? No, I just, let's thank you so much. Um, I love so much seeing women use the gifts that God gave them. And this is clearly your gift. Thank you. You're such a blessing to this class, and we appreciate it so much. Thank thank you you so much.